Hold on. All right. I'm connected. Wow, this is neat for me to be here. I'm really happy it's uh, family day because uh, the emphasis is towards children. And these guys picked a speaker that's headed that direction again in his life. So that is wonderful. Is this so early you didn't catch that? (laughs) Well, my name is Rich Collingridge, and I'm not a newcomer to this body because uh, I have been here many times before, and I am so honored and privileged to be here today and speak at the finale of our missions conference. This has been a wonderful week for me. I love being with missionaries, and I love being with uh, churches that have missions on their heart. And I love a church that doesn't just have a missions program as an addition to what is going on in their church. You know, this is a women's group, men's group, whatever, and then this is missions. But missions includes the entire church and its efforts of outreach close by and in far away places. So I am just really happy to be here. Uh, The church here at Madison City Church in our fellowship of Christian assemblies is well known as a missions church. And uh, so today I'm just so privileged to be able to speak at a concluding time of our missions gathering. And I want you to know that uh, for me it has been a Wonderful time just enjoying the fellowship of uh, City Church and missionaries from around the world. Praise God. Well, in 1945, I was born. Take out your calculators, old people, and figure out how old I am today. 1945. And in 1955, this is where you would have found me deep in the mountains of Mexico, traveling with my father, visiting villages as he would evangelize and set churches up. I stayed in rancheros way up in the mountains of Michoacan, Mexico. And I would, my dad would drive the truck as far as he could go. Then uh, he would stop and we would get on horses and go on farther. And we would spend two, three weeks traveling like that among villages. So I loved my life as a missionary kid. It was an exciting time as a missionary kid. I met my girlfriend, and, uh, and 1945, I was born. 1955, I was in Mexico. 1965, I got married, and uh, she was my childhood sweetheart. And we are still looking at each other like that. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Wonderful. So here we are, married and still happily married, 1965. In 1975, I found myself with my little family, two girls, way in the forest of Africa, traveling up a large African river, and then getting down, walking an hour and a half to our Bible school campus where we began our ministry in the 70s, way back in Liberia. Wow, that was an exciting life for me too. I love being a missionary kid. I love being a missionary all my life. On this big river here, we bought a 32-foot craft, a boat, And uh, I taught an African man how to drive the boat. And then I put skis behind this boat. (laughs) And we would travel up and down this river to get our mail and get groceries for Esther. Sometimes it would take two and a half hours. One time our boat stalled out in the middle of the river and we were trying to fix it. Had a nice motor on it. 
And as uh, I was in the back of the motor, uh, of the boat, fixing the motor, the African brother who was up in the front watching for snakes. And lo and behold, a green mamba crossed over the river, climbed up in my boat, went across the bottom of the boat, climbed up the other side of the boat, and back down in the river. That's how fun missionary life is like. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't, don't look down on it. If you're a young person here today, the most exciting life you can live is that of a missionary. I always tell kids, there are three category, categories of kids in the world. There's OKs, which are ordinary kids. <laughs> then there's PKs, which are pastor's kids. But the highest level are the MKs, which are missionary kids. And I just thank God for the privilege I've had of being a missionary. So this is how we lived when I was a young missionary. Here's how we started out. Uh, I took my first, uh, the youngest daughter when she was 18 uh, months out to live on, in a village on a, on a mission campus. And there we served the Lord for many, many years. We started in 1970, and I came back home from Africa in 2005. And so that's how long we have been in missions. So I love it. I love being able to conclude a mission service in this church. And I believe the message that the Lord has for me, for you today, is an important message. And I would like to bring to you the message the Lord has on my heart out of the third epistle of John. So if you have your Bible or your uh, electronic whatever, we're going to look at it. But I'm going to put it on the board here. And we're going to read the entire book of 3 John. It's not very often in church you get a chance to read an entire book of the Bible. So I'm going to read it to you. Let's follow along as John speaks to a beloved person in the church. And I believe that what John is saying to that person, the Lord is saying to City Church right now, he is saying it to you, a child, a young person, or an older person. I love being here for you old people. Because old people have the mentality, I've done my part, and now it's time for somebody else to do it. And that ain't true. <laughs> so, are you there in 3 John? If you don't know where it is, it's not John chapter 3. It's the third to the last book of the New Testament. He says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I like that. I like the word well here. When he uses the word well, I like well. Because the word well here is not just like, you know, like you feel good. Like old people, you just feel good. But it's really a wellness of being, a whole wellness. And I love serving Jesus. It's part of my wellness. There's joy in my spirit, peace in my life, as we were singing today, because that's part of the wellness that I get from serving the Lord. He says, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What? Oh, that is such a great joy. Let our children Walk in truth. 
I love it. I'm a grandfather. Let my grandchildren walk in truth. There is no greater joy for me to see that, that my children and my grandchildren are serving the Lord. And my, and my dear friends, listen, if that's not so in your family, you get on your knees and pray because God saves our families. Hallelujah. All right. Now he says, and the next one, I got it here. And the next one. All right, you guys are going to have to move that slide ahead. In verse four, verse 5, he's acting slowly here. I am really pointing it at you. There you are. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Now, this is now moving into... A missional message right here. He's talking to Gaius. Remember that. And he says, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Now, I've been a pastor of a church in uh, New York now for the last 14 years. And I want to tell you, we have all kinds of strangers that come through, especially since I was the pastor of missions. We had one guy come to my office. He was just going by our church and he felt prompted, he said, of the Lord to come into my church and that our church would pick him up to support him. I'd never seen the guy before in my life. And he just felt that this was a moment the Lord was leading him to us. But he does say here, even though they are strangers to you. So there are times, folks, it's at the city, missionaries will come by here. You may not even know but are doing the work of the Lord. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. That's amazing, isn't it? John, the apostle, loved of God. Somebody just really had it in for the guy. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also puts stops to those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. So that's the whole book of 3 John. Now, 3 John uh, is a fascinating book. Yeah, it's a fascinating book because with missionary focus, there are so many truths in there. Uh, in verse 6, when we read it, he said, You do well because you send them on their way. And the word send there is a wonderful word that means to outfit them. To give them what they need so that they, they can do the work that they need to do. 
So that was a nice word that John said to the church. You do well, he says, you do well to make sure that these guys who are coming to you, who are preachers of the word of God, have all the resources that they need to carry out the work of God. When I was studying this uh, book, the way I study a book, I like to sit there and read and write down my ideas on it. Then I like to go to, you know, commentaries and other Bible uh, commentators. And so some of the guys said, uh, there, there's some neat, outli- neat outlines that are fitted with this. They went out, they were sent out, and they were spent out for the sake of God. I like that little outline, that was cute. Uh, the, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to mention, and we're going to go through those three guys that are mentioned there, but other people said uh, there were words of commendation, there were words of condemnation, and then with uh, the last guy, there was a word of confirmation. So those are, I like little outlines like that that help me grab a hold of a book. The book of John, this book was written around 90 A.D., 90 so figure that out a little bit in your brain. If Jesus died around 32, 33, 35, who knows how long. So now we're not talking just right next to Jesus. We're talking further down the line after Jesus had ascended into heaven. John is an old man now. Uh, John's third epistle incorporates ideas from 1 John and 2 John. He uses the same words like truth and love and uh, in all his letters, John uses the word truth over 46 times. So that word is a very important word to John. And he doesn't like people to play around with truth. In fact, in Second John, he says, if people come to you who are not preaching the truth, don't even welcome them in your house. Don't even say, God bless you to them. Let them get out of your house. Anyway, I want to talk to you about these three guys uh, who uh, were with that John is talking about. The first thing I want you to see about uh, these three guys is that of Gaius. In verse 9 and verse 13 and verse 14, he says, I just see that you are a guy who sticks with what you know is right and what is true. The perseverance of Gaius. Uh, so much in our world and in our culture today, people are running after all kinds of teachings, grabbing on all kinds of ideas. Uh, in a Pentecostal church like this, we're so open to the leading of the Holy Spirit that sometimes we just like gravitate toward new things that kind of float around. But the one thing that John really approves of in Gaius, who is a missionary-minded guy, is that you stick with the truth and stay with it. And that's the encouragement that the word of the Lord is to us this morning. You don't have to run after the, every big thing or every wind that is blowing. As a pastor of missions, uh, I just have seen there are new waves that come out. Let's all do this. And then everybody kind of runs for that. And then after a while, everybody runs for that. But I thank the Lord for a church like this who listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit who holds on to their workers very firmly, very strongly, saying, these are the people God has given us. These are the people that we are supporting. These are the people we are working. So there was a prayer for Gaius. He says, I want you to prosper. There was praise of Gaius. He says, there's so much I want to thank you for. I have great joy. You are faithful. Uh, You are doing what is right. People know this thing is happening in 
your church. So on, during this week, you know what I did? I listened to the missionaries as we were gathered together. Sometimes I would ask them a question. So like I would say, you know, how has City Church been beneficial to you? What, is, what has happened? And these are some of the responses. Because if John was giving praise to Gaius, because Gaius was doing something that was worthy of praise, I think you at City Church need to hear the word of the Lord that what you have been doing, what you are doing, is praiseworthy. So listen to what I saw. I heard some missionaries say, City Church sends short-term missionaries down to us. And they are able to do projects to bless other people. A very praiseworthy statement. God bless City Church. I have been a recipient of short-term missionaries and missions. And I say, these have blessed me, have blessed the work that I was doing, have blessed the people that I was working with. So I thank the Lord for that. If you get a chance to go on a short-term mission trip, do it. I made a shirt when I was in, uh, in Smithtown. And on the back of the shirt it says, if he doesn't say no, then go. <laughs> you know, a lot of us, if, if I come to you and say, okay, hey, we're doing a short-term trip uh, to Cyprus or to Belize or whatever, you say, oh, okay, I'll pray about it. Well, do you ever pray about something and don't get an answer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. If he doesn't say no, then go. <laughs> I think that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> Diane Sutter, who works way up north among the Indian tribes, says this church has given us such a lift when we were ready to resign. The church did it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Just to come and be in the presence of the Lord, listening to music, listening to praise, watching children dance before the Lord. That just lifts our spirits so wonderfully. Sometimes people come here so discouraged. In fact, uh, Brother uh, Keaton said, He said he and his wife had made up their mind they weren't coming. Did you hear his testimony? They had made up their mind they weren't going to come. And then in the last minute, they decided to come. And he said, we didn't realize how dry we were. And this place has just filled us to overflowing with the presence of the Lord. Praise unto God. Sister Lori Ingalls said to me, I have found this church is so generous with their time, their money, their offerings. She said, it has just filled me so much with gratitude that I also respond to others with great generosity. Hallelujah. These are praiseworthy things, folks, that come out of the presence of the Lord at City Church. You need to hear John say, thank you, Gaius, that this is in your life. Josh said this. This has been my home church as a missionary kid. Now, I'm a missionary kid, and I have raised missionary kids, and I have missionary grandkids. And one of the hardest things to figure out as a missionary kid is, where is home? Am I right? Where is home? 
We always told our kids when they were growing up, home is where mommy and daddy are. But guess what? Now they're gone in college. Where is home? Because mommy and daddy aren't there. Where is home? And for a missionary kid to say, city church is my home, says, says oogles about this church. Gaius, or John would say to you guys, you do well. You do well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So those are some of the things that were praiseworthy that John said about Gaius. All right. Let's go to the next one. In John's plans for Gaius, in verse 13, he said, I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. I want to say to you, again, it has been expressed in every meeting that I've been in. I think I've been in all the meetings of the missionaries. It has been expressed words of appreciation from every missionary for this church. John said, I want to see you. I'm waiting to see you. It's not going to be long before I see you. The joy of a missionary to come to church and be welcomed and be loved and be part of a bigger family, to be supported in prayer and finances, is such a great joy. You don't have to fight missionaries to come. It's very seldom that I'll, say, I'll hear a missionary say, oh, I feel obligated to come to City Church to their missions conference. That's, I don't know if I ever heard that. Because, like John says, I got a lot of things. I want to be with you. I want to see you. I want to greet you. This is what I want to do. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So these are the words. These are the observations of the Lord God Almighty through John to Gaius, who has a missional heart. And these are the words of the Lord God Almighty to City Church. You do well. Praise be to God. Let's clap hands for God because. Now, in the midst of doing well, I want to just tell you, you get the next thing. The pride of this guy. I don't even like to say his name. I wrote to some among the church, but Diotrephes, who live, loves to be the first among them, does not accept what we say. Listen, beloved, you're not going to find a perfect church. I, I'm a pastor of a church. I have been a pastor of a church. It's a good-sized church. And I get people all the time who come and say, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this. And uh, one time in one of our staff meetings, Pastor Zarlengo, our lead pastor, came to the meeting. He said, oh, you can't believe what happened, you guys. I was out doing my walk with the Lord, and I met one of the ladies from our church in my walk. He, and he said, the lady stopped me, and she said, Pastor Zarlengo, I have a complaint to make. And he said, well, what's your complaint? Well, Two of your pastors told me that it would be good if I stopped going to Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle and go to a church just up the street called Grace Church. Can you believe that? And Pastor Zarlingo said, no, I don't believe anybody would say that. Now, this is when he's talking to us in our staff meeting. I started laughing because that very week, this lady had come to me and I had told her, sister, if you're so unhappy here, 
Just go right up the street. There's a church. <laughs> Listen. Come on. This is a prideful spirit. This is a spirit of diatrophies which we do not want to carry when we're doing the work of God. We don't want to think that this is a perfect church, but we also want to see what God is doing. Barnabas went up to Antioch and he saw the grace of God and he rejoiced. Were there problems in that church in Antioch? Sure, but he saw the grace of God. And I think that it's a wonderful thing as a body of Christ. Older people who have been in this church for years, you can remember, uh, you know, Earl Brown. See, nobody here knows who Earl Brown is. I do. You can remember, oh, we used to do it this way, and we used to sing this way, and we used to do that way. Stop it. You're entering the spirit of diatrophies. He wants to stop what God is doing. God is doing something. He just is telling his church, you do well, he says. And then you stand back and say, well, hey, come on. Don't let the spirit of this guy catch us. John was pretty strict. He says he accuses us with wicked words. Listen, be careful. Don't let this happen. This talks about the evil of diatrophies. And then he says in verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who is doing good is of God. The one who is not doing good in the spirit of diatrophies, you know, is not of God. And the bogus idea of people who criticize and cannot move with the Spirit or cannot see what God is doing well, the bogus spirit that they have is they think they are spiritual, but God is saying it is not. It is not of God. So my encouragement to all of us, young generation, old generation alike, see what God is doing. See how God is putting his seal of approval And he says, this is what you are doing well. And let us join together in this wonderful, wonderful plan of the Lord and move from the evil spirit that is exhibited in this guy. The third guy that he says in verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our witness is true. The personal testimony of this man is that he is going to put all he can into the work of God. That all the truth that is being proclaimed, I want to be in on it. I want to have part on it. I want to do something not only in my own country, but in the countries around. This is the truth of the word of God. The Bible declares so clearly Uh, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I just love being here with your missionaries. Some of them I know from a long time ago. But the inclusion in every work that they are doing, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Only way. So here you have in your church, and I wrote some of them down. Here you have in your church all these kinds of works that are going on. Look at theology education. 
You got language learning. You got home and foreign missions. You got radio and television. You got rescuing children. You got youth work. You got children work. All of them include in there the presentation of the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You have people who are living, your missionaries who are living, surrounded by people who hate Christianity. And they're living in the middle of it. And they're proclaiming the truth. And their testimony is true. People know it. People know this lady, this man, these children are Christians. And they're not afraid to tell the truth. This is what is happening in your missions and evangelism program. Both here in Madison, Wisconsin area and across the world. They are proclaimers of the truth. And John says, this is somebody who does this well. The Bible said, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. God is that way. He will not let it pass by. Colossians says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord. Not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. City Church, hear the word of the Lord this morning. You do well. Praise unto God. Now take a look at some of these things. You do well. Here you have Brian and Becky King who are setting up. TV programs, uh, programs over internet, radio programs, reaching people across the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are supporting that kind of missionary. Here you have Ron Brayton working down in Belize. Ron Brayton and his teams and the short-term teams that have even come from this church have built over 100 houses for poor people, women who live alone, And along with what they are doing in their program is they proclaim the truth of Jesus. Hallelujah. You do well to support these kind of people. uh, Brother uh, Craig Fritzer, helping to start Bible schools. He worked with me in Africa. He worked in Sierra Leone. He has worked in Belize, setting up Bible schools so that the gospel of Jesus can be grabbed a hold of by nationals and the word of God proclaimed. You do well. Praise unto the Lord. So here is Jadine, his wife, helping uh, single women, pregnant ladies with fear, not knowing what they're going to do. And these people bring them in, speak peace into their life, show them a better way, and teach them the love of God. How much are we involved in that? We are totally involved in it. You do well is the word of the Lord to City Church. So that's the end of my message. As you're just sitting here thinking about the phrase, you do well, and you can see how God so much approves of the hand of missions in this church. It's not just a program. It is a spirit-led ministry in the area of the missions. And I just want you to hear the words of approbation, but I also want you to know your responsibilities too. So even as you're sitting here in your chairs, that's going to be your place of altar. I want to speak to the children I want to speak to the millennials, the young adults and young married couples. I want to speak to the older people 
that we all have a responsibility in this program of the Lord in this church. We have done well. And the Lord lays before us a continued chance to serve him well. I always encourage my people. There are four ways that I say you can involve yourself in this moment with a missionary or a missions program. You can think of a missionary that you have met. And you say, I, I like these guys. Or I like this young couple. They're thinking about going out. I'm going I'm to involve my life in their ministry. So you can think of a missionary. It may be you are attached to a country in the world. You say, oh, I have a burden from Mexico. I see all the turmoil in Mexico. That would help you then be able to engage your prayer, your money, your time, your short-term endeavors in a place in the world. You may hear of a project that your church is involved in. We're going to build a Bible school somewhere. Oh, you say, yeah, I'm going to involve myself in a project in City Church. You do well as an individual to think how you will be involved in the work of missions in this church. So I want you to just bow your heads. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Already he has clapped his hands. He is filled with joy with what we are doing at City Church. But he is also making a challenge to City Church. How will all of you take another step in your involvement in the work of God? How will all of you even take the very first step in your commitment to what God says is a good work that is being done in this church? Now think, Lord, here am I. I'm in Madison. I'm in City Church. I want to hear your words. Personally say, good job. Fine work. Now, even today or in the next week or however how can I be involved? Where can I grab a hold of? Think of a missionary that you just are, you know, you have an affinity towards. Does that grab you? How about a country in the world that you have a burden for? Does a country grab you? Does a project, a program say, I need to be involved in this? This goes right from children. Children, be involved. Parents, be involved. Families, hear the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you so much for the word of the Lord that comes to us so strongly. You, we hear your voice of approval. We thank you for that voice so beautiful to our ears. We are filled with gratitude because you have led this church by your Holy Spirit. And yet, lying before us, lying before us is a wonderful challenge. So help us. Help me, even in my place, my change of season in life, to figure out where I can take another step in the area of outreach and mission. So bless this church. Bless the leadership. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Rich, that was just fantastic. Thank you so much. So this is hot off the presses. This is my devotional that's going to go out. I wrote it this morning, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's called Holding the Rope. <clears throat> the scripture is 2 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. 
It says, as a result of your giving, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. When Hudson Taylor left for the mission field, he said something like this to his church. I will go down the hole to rescue those who are perishing and you hold the rope. For our missionaries to do what God has called them to do, someone has to hold the rope. One of the first strategies of war that our enemy seeks to employ is to cut the supply lines so that those on the front lines become vulnerable. Our annual missions conference is like pulling on the rope until those who have been serving are back on firm land to be renewed and re-envisioned. I've heard testimony after testimony from our missionaries about how God has used this time to encourage them. Part of it is just knowing they're not alone. When they rub shoulders with other missionaries, they're inspired by the sacrifice and suffering others have experienced, as well as by the stories of God's redemption through their ministries. It's made me even more committed to holding the rope well. As we remember them in prayer and in our financial gifts, God does a wonderful thing in uniting our hearts together. Paul explains how this happens in the text above. Our offerings produce thanksgiving and affection in them, which results in them remembering us in their prayers. Not only are those who are perishing rescued in this process, but a deep relationship results between those holding the rope and those being lowered into the hole. Isn't God amazing? Paul has a very personal example of this that he gives in Philippians. Philippians 4, 15 through 19, he, he says, he is, they are his sending church. They are the only church that supports him financially. And he says, because of your gifts, he said, all of my needs have been met. And then he says this, and your offerings have risen to God as a sweet smelling fragrance that is pleasing to him. And then he prays this prayer for the Philippians that have joined him in giving. He says, may my God supply all of your need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. This is the heartfelt prayer of a missionary for the church that has been supporting him. May God supply all of your needs, not according to your job, but according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. But here's the amazing thing. This is not just Paul's prayer for the Philippians. God in heaven made this part of his inspired word. He turned Paul's prayer into a promise for all believers who are involved in missions. May God supply all of your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here's what I want us to do in cl closing the service. If you wouldn't mind taking out that pledge card that was in your bulletin, and could we all stand to our feet? Just hold that card in your hand. If you don't have one of these, um, th we've got them on all of the giving tables, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pretend you have one of these in your hands right now. So here's our two goals as a church. One, number one goal is 
that we would raise the $225,000 for our missionaries for this coming year through gifts and through pledges. That's one of our goals. But here's, here's the bigger goal for me. That each one of us would take a time before the Holy Spirit and say, God, here I live in this land of abundance. God, what, what's my part? How can I be part of this? What would you have me do? And that we each would, some of us can just give what we want to give for the whole year right now, but most of us, me included, we can give a little now, but most of it needs to be in a pledge. Holy Spirit, what, how can I partner with you? What's my part? And that we would write that down, fold this up, put it in the, in the giving boxes, and that God in heaven, the Father in heaven, would receive this as a fragrance before him that is pleasing, that God in heaven would say, I, f- I, feel, I feel pleasure. In, in individuals, absolutely. But I feel pleasure in City Church. I feel pleasure that someone is agreeing with me. Somebody is honoring me. And I'm going to pray that God will give great confidence over us as we sometimes write down numbers here that could create fear because we've all got needs. We've all got stuff we, we need money for. That God will bring a great assurance that he is going to provide every need according to his riches, that he will bless these gifts. Would you mind just holding this out? And if you don't have it, but you're planning on doing one, just hold your hands out and let's offer these to God. Father, thank you for your great, great love. Thank you for a wonderful week of missions and of hearing the hearts of our missionaries. Lord, I'm, I'm just so proud of our missionaries. They're so sincere and so sacrificial and so authentic. Thank you for every one of them. Now, Lord, we hold our hearts before you as well as these pledge cards. And Father, we want to please you. We want to be part of this. Holy Spirit, would you speak right now? Would you take any feeling of guilt or obligation or grudging out of us? Lord, our missionaries have freely given their lives. God, we want to freely give to them and respond to you. Lord, I'm going to lift with my brothers and sisters here the 225,000. Lord, I don't think there's anyone here that could just write that check. But Lord, we can all do a part and we lift that whole number to you. Father, would you raise this money? We're doing our part, but we're also trusting you. Would you speak to my brothers and sisters to do their part? And God, could we celebrate together when all of the pledges and offerings are counted in these next few weeks that we would, together with you, meet all of the need of this coming year? Lord, we we thank you for this. We bless you for this. And we trust you for this. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you can fill your pledge out today, that would be awesome. And put it in the box. If you need more prayer, we're going to have ministry teams up front. Have a great, great day.